And the Bible tells us that this man, uh, after coming back from the land, and the other ten spies are upset about uh, not going into it. And the Bible says in verse number 30 of Numbers 13, it says, And Caleb stilled the people. He got them all quiet. Hey, 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 listen, 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 listen. Y'all be quiet for a second. He said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome of course, we know that doesn't happen, as I've already explained. In Numbers chapter number 14, just you're right there with it, so let's just go over there to it and let's see. In Numbers 14, he tells them that all these people that are from the age of 20 years old and under are going are and older are going to die. But verse number 24, the Bible says, But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with, with him, and had followed me fully. Him will I bring into the land whereto he went, and his seed shall possess it. Or Numbers chapter number 32. Numbers chapter number 32 and verse number 12. Numbers 32 and verse number 12. It'll be easy since you're in the same book already. Numbers 32, 12. In fact, we'll just grab verse number 11 while we're here. Surely none of the men that came up out of Egypt from 20 years old and upward shall see the land which I swear to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me. Save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, and Joshua, the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. You're not far from it, so let's just go to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 1. Deuteronomy 1, and notice what it says in verse number 36. Again, verse 35 says, Surely none of these shall go up because of their this evil generation shall see the land, which I swear to their fathers. Verse 36, Save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he shall see it, and to him will I give the land that he hath trodden under, that, that he hath trodden upon, to, to his children, because he hath wholly followed the Lord. One more place, Joshua. Joshua chapter 14. Joshua 14. Joshua 14. Caleb giving his own testimony here after the land has already been entered into and they've been conquering those kingdoms says, Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. And his own testimony was in verse number 8 of Joshua 14 is this, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swear on that day, saying, Surely the land where thou hast trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. We must wholly follow the Lord. We must learn to wholly, fully, as it says in Numbers 13, follow God. Follow God. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for the Word of God. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to understand how we, in this day and age, Lord, we don't have Amalekites and Hittites and Perizzites and Canaanites before us necessarily. But Lord, there are spiritual battles with us on every side. 
And Lord, there are spiritual Amalekites and spiritual Moabites and Edomites and Canaanites on every side of us, God. People that hate the Lord. People that hate those that have anything to do with the Lord. Lord, there are spiritual wickedness in high places, Father. There are battles that, Lord, we must face on a daily basis. But God, I'm confident that, Lord, you want us to have victory just as much as you wanted these people to have victory. But, Lord, it starts and it begins and it ends with all of us learning the simple truth of wholly following you. I confess to you, God, that, Lord, I am weak in my followership many times. And many times, God, I have failed you and I have not wholly followed you. And if we were all honest with ourselves and with you this morning, God, I would think as a congregation we would all confess that before you that are saved believers of Jesus Christ that, Father, we have not always wholly followed you. And we confess that before you and we say that we're sorry. For, Lord, you deserve for us to fully follow you. You deserve nothing less than full fellowship. May we see that anything less than that is sin. It's wrong. It's not a lapse of mind or a mistake. Rather, it's sin. And God, I would encourage if there's anybody here today, if there's anybody here at all, God, I would ask of you, Lord, that are not saved, that are not believers. Lord, they haven't even came out of Egypt yet. They're still being controlled by the, the devil. Their father is the devil. Their father is not the Lord and said, is not the Lord. I pray for their souls today that God they would see and believe they are separated from you. That their only way they can have access is by the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, as I preach, thank you, Lord. In Christ's name I pray. I want us this morning to go back to Numbers chapter number 13. We must fall wholly follow the Lord. Numbers 14 and verse number 24 says he has fully followed him. It's the same word. Same exact word. Fully, wholly, same thing. And I want us to discover some ways this morning how we can wholly follow God. The first thing is this is what's obvious and according to the text. Is the word holy or the word full? Is that number one, we must be full of God. We must be full of God. We must have God in us. And can I tell you today that there's no way, shape, or form that anybody can have God's Holy Spirit residing in them if they're not believers, first of all, in God. It's impossible. Romans 8 testifies that to that very fact. And if you have not the Spirit, you are none of His. You're none of His. 
The Spirit witnesses with our spirit that we are the children of God. Every believer in here this morning, every born-again believer here today has a father. Has a father. They have a heavenly father. But can I also say that every person in here that does not have the Son of God as their Lord and Savior also has a father? John 8, verse number 44, he told the Pharisees, he looked them straight dead in the eyes, and he said, Ye are your father, the devil. Everyone has an earthly father, and everyone has a spiritual father. A spiritual father. Have you been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the, into the, the kingdom of his dear son? There's a translation that needs to be made. From one to the other. Nobody picks up a book that is in German and says this is English. Right? Nobody does that. And me, if I were to go pick a book up that is written in German, I wouldn't understand anything about it until somebody translated that into English. Into English. I would need that to understand just as different as German is from English, my friend, so it is that just as much as it is different between somebody that is lost and somebody that is saved. You're not somewhat lost, a little bit lost. You're not somewhat saved. You're not a little bit saved. You don't get it for a little while and lose it for a little while, praise God. Either you have it or you don't. Either you're saved or you're lost. Either you're a child of God or you're a child of the devil. There's no in-between. There's no middle ground. Nobody stands right here in this middle right here, all right? Either you're a child of God or a child of the devil. Now, y'all aren't child of devils, but I'm just saying that this side here isn't just child. I'm saying this morning, are what side are you on? Caleb was obviously on the side that was a child of God. He was a man of faith. You know what? That is what makes somebody a person, makes somebody a child of God. They have to what? Believe. And it's always been the same. Even from Caleb's day to our day, this is the only way to, first of all, come into the kingdom of God and to be a child of God, to have your sins forgiven, is to believe that, first of all, you're a sinner. And that you need a Savior. But not only that, that you could trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. And once you trust Jesus Christ alone for your salvation, that He died on the cross for your sins and rose again the third day, and you believe upon Him as Lord and Savior, then and only then do you become a child of God. You're not a child of God because you were born into a family that is a Christian. Or because your mom and dad are a Christian. You're not a child of God because you came to church this morning. Biblically speaking, you're not a child of God because of that. You're a child of God is because you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. Have you done that? Caleb was a man of faith. Caleb was a man that was full of God. Now, I like what the Bible tells us all these things about Caleb. I mean, he was a man of zeal. I mean, he says, hey, we can go up and possess it right now, guys. I mean, come on, let's go. Let's do this thing. He said, let's go. Caleb was a warrior. He was zealous, he was courageous, he was loyal, he was a friend, he was passionate, he was wise, he was faithful. 
But God does not tell us that he was any of those things according to his word. You know what the only Bible description we get of Caleb? Is that he wholly followed God. He was full of God. In fact, four times in our scriptures we read about this man that he wholly followed the Lord. I'm not saying holy like H-O-L-Y. Alright? I don't know that there's a correct way to say the two. Maybe my southern lingo just makes it sound the same. But he wholly followed God. Now, listen to me. If you're going to follow God, you've got to be holy too. Amen? Because to follow God, you've got to be holy. For the Bible says if you're going to be like God, then you've got to act like God. And if you're going to act like God, you've got to be holy. Be ye holy for what I am Holy, But that's not the word we're using this morning. We're using the word fully. It's not even the word complete. That's not the same Hebrew word. There's a totally different Hebrew word for the word complete. This is not that word. There's a totally different Hebrew word for the word whatsoever or whosoever or howsoever. And I'm sure there's a message with that. But that's not this word. This word means to be full. Keel wrote that he followed Jehovah fully. Or literally what it means is that he fulfilled to walk behind Jehovah. He followed with unwavering fidelity. Another author says that he had a full purpose of heart and whether soever God led him or directed him or whatever path of duty he put him in and in every exercise of grace that God commanded in him, he fulfilled every one of them. He obeyed his words and his commands. He fulfilled it with his mind and his will and his heart by going after him and acting. Listen to this. This is what Gil says. According to the rules that God had set forth. Can you imagine? Uh, they're playing the College World Series right now. And Texas is in the loser bracket. But can you imagine Texas walking up, you know, and they're going to play A&M today. And say, you know what? Uh, we're not playing by the rules anymore. You know, we're, we're not going to do it like that. We're not pitching from ninety feet away anymore. You know, we're going to sixty feet. Uh, we're going to move these bases in for us. Okay, we're taking that back wall. We're going to set up a partition wall. We're move that move that field in and, and bring it in a little bit and everything, so we can hit home runs and everything better. Again, what? No, you play by the what? Rules. The rules. I mean, that's how we play baseball, that's how we play football, that's how, uh, that's how school goes, that's how our work goes. Why is it any different when it comes to God's Word, amen? You play by the rules. And the rule was, is that we're going to go into the land and possess the land. That's what the rule was. And Caleb said, let's do it. I'm ready. Let's go. One author said that he followed God with wholeheartedness. He was full of God. He was filled with a desire to obey the Lord. His overflowing zeal was to please God. It reminds me of whenever our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ came into the temple and he made up himself a small scourge of whips. You remember that time? And everybody was selling doves and the money changers were over there. Can you imagine that scene? I mean, he comes in and just knocks over everything. Money's spilling everywhere. Doves are flying up into the air. Goats are running this way and that way. I mean, people are getting spanked. I mean, it is, a, it is an ordeal. But in the end, in John 2, 17, the disciples, after seeing this, and after they had written all these accounts down, they wrote this, and the disciples remembered that it was written of him, this, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. I mean, he was eat up with it. He was ready to do something about it. 
And that's what that means here. That's what this means. Holy following the Lord. It means you're eat up with doing God's will. You're eat up with it. And when you don't do God's will, it eats on you. You get that? It bothers you. It discourages you whenever you don't follow in God's will. That's why I pray, God, I do not follow you wholly like I ought to every single time. And I'll confess that before you today. Because I don't. But I'm preaching this because I want to. I want a holy follow God. I want His zeal to eat me up. And whenever I don't follow through with God, is that I want that to eat on me. I don't want to be dead. Amen? Amen. I don't want to be dead. I don't want, I don't want to sin. Listen to me. I don't want to sin and it not bother me. I don't want that. Because if I let if I sin and it don't bother me, you know what that's telling me? Is I've got a cold heart. I got a cold heart. And if you can sin and it's never bothered you, it's telling you you're probably not saved. It's never bothered you one time to do something wrong. You're probably not saved. But I don't know your heart. I know this about me, and I can confess it about me, and I can confess it about with the scriptures that you can come to a place in your life when you are following God, you are on fire for God, you are zealous for God, but yet there's some things that got into your heart where it took away some of the zeal, took away some of the fullness of God, took away some of the joy that God gives to you, and you don't follow God like you ought to follow God because you're not full of God. You say, How do I get full of God? Well, you got to get empty first, don't you? You got to get empty. You got to take some stuff out to fill back up. And that's what happens with life, isn't it? I mean, that's why we come to church. Come on now. That's why you come to church every once in a while. That's why you got to be underneath the preaching of the Word of God so that you can come to the Lord's house. And I'll tell you, the preacher doesn't even have to preach on your pet sin, but God knows your pet sin, doesn't he? I mean, the preacher don't even got to say nothing, but if you're a child of God, the Spirit of God will put you down, and he'll put his finger right on you, and he'll say, this is it right here. Buddy, girl, this is it, and you know that's it. And he'll put it right there on you, because that's what the Spirit of God does, and he's trying to cleanse you, because he's trying to take some stuff out of you, so he can put some stuff back into you. He wants to fill you with his Spirit. And the Spirit of God says, and the, and the Word of God says, be not drunk with wine where it is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And the word filled there is not a one-time filling. That's a misnomer. There's some preach that, that you just got to get filled up one time, brother, and speak in tongues, and it's all said and done. That's it. No, my friend, the word filled there is the idea of be being filled. Be being filled. We don't speak like that in our English grammar, all right? Watch that. That's not bad. That's bad grammar. Right there. I know it's bad grammar, but it's great Greek. All right? All right? Be being filled. Don't stop. Keep getting filled up. Because I'll tell you what, whenever uh, Luke, no, let's see. John, I keep calling all Luke. You got little kids all around and everything like that. I'm sure you don't mind coming up here. But here's John. John, do you mind professing? You're a believer in Jesus Christ, aren't you? Yes. Okay, I knew John was at this one day. <laughs> All right, but this is what happens with John throughout the day. Okay, John's walking around at the day. He's he's read his Bible. I know John reads his Bible. All right, all right. That's why I didn't. I thought my culture. I know John reads his Bible. Okay, 
You read your Bible, John? Yes, sir. Okay, thank you. All right. <laughs> you pray, John? Yes. Okay. All right. Now, John prays. He reads his Bible. You come to church, John? Obviously. <laughs> He's here today. Uh, but what happens is this. Something comes into John's life. He read his Bible. He prayed. He came to church even on Sunday. Maybe he made it three times this week. But on Thursday morning, he gets a phone call. And it's a bad phone call. A customer. A customer has called in for a complaint. You know what's happened to John? This. He got jostled. And you know what? If I can illustrate it like this, I know the Holy Spirit is not some liquid that flows inside of us or anything like that, okay? I'm not saying that, okay? Forget my illustration. Is that he got jostled. And because he got jostled, guess what? Some spilled out. And because some spilled out, some's going to have to get filled back up. Now, John can either choose at that moment to say, you know what, Lord, I see this complaint, I see this problem, I see this issue, I'm not going to worry about it, but I'm going to put it in your hands. Or he can't, for the next five hours, worry about it. You see my point? And what happens in our life, that's exactly what happens, and this is what, exactly what happened to these people. They had the commands of God, they told what they, they was very specific in what to do. There was no question in what they should do. And instead, they went against the God's commands, and they got jostled a little bit because they were like grasshoppers in their sight. And what happens is that they all got mad and upset because of this thing, and they rebelled against God. I mean, that's how far it went. And if you don't think that could happen to you as a Christian, my friend, you are sadly mistaken and wrong. Because if John gets jostled enough, and he stops, he stops praying, and he stops going to church, and he stops reading his Bible, and he stops saying, God, I need help, you know what's going to end up happening is that he's going to get mad, angry, and upset. He's going to become bitter. He might even become rebellious against the things of God. But John's a child of God. Yes, I know he's a child of God. But you know what, my friend? Is that the devil wants nothing more than to steal your joy out of your heart. Thank you, John. Maybe see. He wants to take the joy that Jesus wants to fill up in your life and he wants to steal it away so that you can be somebody that's just an old crank and nobody likes anymore, but you're a guy that used to run a bus route. Or you're a person that used to do what do something for God. But now you don't do anything for God. You don't even pray. Because you've lost the joy, you're not filled up with God, what God wants you to do, and how God wants you to live. There was a man named Barabbas, or excuse me, Barnabas. A much different man. Uh, a man named Barnabas. And Barnabas in Acts chapter 11, verse number 24, says this, He was a good man, and full of the Holy Ghost, and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. You know, when I find somebody that is full of God, you know what they want to do? They want to tell somebody else about God. That's what they want to do. Caleb wholly followed the Lord. And so what does he do? He stands up in the middle of the congregation. Two million people. How many of you got stage fright? How many of you would rather give, would rather be in the, rather be in the coffin than give the eulogy? I mean, I mean, come on now. He didn't have any stage fright. I mean, he stood up, he waved everybody down, and he said, hey, 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 listen. Listen. They all kind of quieted down. We can do this. God's promised us. I mean, he testified of God. Paul, in Acts chapter 22, what happens to him? 
Paul in Acts chapter 22. There he is. He's beaten to death, nearly to the point of death. He's bloodied and bruised. I mean, he can barely walk, and he's got blood coming out of his face. Both of his eyes are black. He can't hardly see out of them. And he stands up. He says, hey, wait, 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 to the guard. I, I need to say something to these people. What? I thought you were that Egyptian that, that no, 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 I'm a Jew. And, and I need to talk to these people about something. Can I, can I speak for just a second? Sure. And in the Hebrew tongue, don't miss that. In the Hebrew tongue, he spoke to them in their native language. He loved them. He cared for them. Those people that beat him to death there. And he preached the gospel. That's a man full of God. That's a man full of God. That if somebody came to you and beat you to a bloody pulp, that you could stand up and with tears coming down your face, not because you're in pain, but because you're in pain for their soul, and you tell them about God. That's a man that's fully following God. That's a woman that's fully following God. That loves God with her whole heart. That says that, that, that has fulfilling what it says. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy strength, with all thy mind, with all thy soul. Loving God with every fiber of their being. Jesus, whenever he was commanding them to, uh, to fill up the water pot so that he was going to turn the water into wine. The Bible says, he says, fill the water pots with water. And listen to the next phrase. And they filled them up to the brim. You know why they filled them to the brim? Because that's what Jesus said. He said, fill them. He didn't say halfway. He didn't say partway. He said, no, fill it up. To the top is what that word means. Pueblo. Fill it to the top. You can't get anything else in there. How many of us are filled to the top with God? With God. What else do we have in our life since we're filling up? What are you putting in your life? I go into homes sometimes. I work in homes. You know what? I see people filled up with video games. Grown men filled up with video games. And that's what life, life is about video games. Grown, mature. That's a. Men, that's what their life is all about. Video games. Video games. Let me ask you a question. Where's a video game going to be at in eternity? Where's that going to be at in eternity? How does that play out at the judgment seat of Christ? I mean, I, 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 walk, I know I can take you to the house right now. I can see it right now. Life is all about movies. I've never seen in this one house, I've never seen so many DVDs in my whole entire life. Thought I was walking back into Blockbuster. <laughs> I mean, y'all yeah, laughing. Some of y'all know what Blockbuster is. You know, like, yeah, there you go. I mean, I felt like I was walking into Blockbuster. I mean, it was just like his and posters all over the walls about all these movies and all this stuff. And life is about movies. That's what life is all about. And there's all kinds of things. I mean, life. Uh, I, I go into some. I go into some houses, and I can tell you what their life is about. Their life. I can. I know. So I can take you to a house right now. Their life is about alcohol. I mean, I, I, I used to work in a house. I guarantee there was 15 
at least, I don't want to exaggerate, all right, but at least 5,000 bottles of wine in the house. I thought it was Specs liquor store. I mean, I'm serious. I mean, that's that, what his life is about wine, about drink. That's what it is. That's what his life is about. I, I, I can take you to, to places where life is about sports. And I, I can take you to a house that, that I know that I can see. I, I can take you to a house right now that I know of that's, that's situated over here off of 360. You go up a little ways a little bit, and it's right behind that big old monstrosity with that thing on top of it right there that's on, that's on 360. Everybody knows what that's talking about, that observer, observation tower right there. It's right nestled in behind that. And he's got a garage bigger than all y'all's houses put together. And in that house is more than is more money than all of us got put together. There's more Ferraris and BMWs and Lamborghinis inside that garage. It's a two-story garage with an elevator inside of it that lifts cars back up and down inside of it. All right. He's a race car driver too. He owns Ranger Excavation that you see all around town. You know what? But I'll tell you what. Can I give you a secret? People that are worth millions upon millions upon millions of dollars still have hair that gets clogged in their, in their shower, okay? So, <laughs> and their toilets still stop them, all right? Just to let you know, all right? I, those people, I can tell you what they're full of. You can see it, what they're full of. And, and I, I don't know what's in your house, or, but better yet, here's another thing, is that I don't know what's in your heart. I don't know what's in your heart, and I can go into your house, and, and I might can judge you based upon your house, but here's the thing. I can't judge you based upon your heart. God knows what's in the heart of a man and a woman here this night, and God knows if you're full or if you're not full. God knows if your life is about Him or not Him. I was amongst some people this week. I don't want to really give too many details on this, but I was amongst some other people this week, and it really got me thinking. What is life about? Is it about the things that I can possess? Because I really feel like that's what my flesh wants to think its life is about. It's about the things I can possess. And if I can save up enough money to buy this or to buy that, that's what life is all about. But my friend, there was a man in the God's Word that saved up and built up and he had a really good plentiful year so much to the point that he said, you know what? I'm going to build barns and I'm going to tear down my barns and I'm going to build bigger barns and then when I build those bigger barns, guess what? Then I'll have enough storage for, out for less, the rest of my days and I can take, take ease and rest because I'll be okay. And the Bible says, the Lord said to him, thou fool, thou knowest not that thy soul is required of thee. Listen to me, my friend. When you're dead and gone, your money's staying here with you. It's staying here. And it's going to be divided between your family members. And if your family is not right with God, it's going to cause a heartache and it's going to cause hurt. And people are going to just ask Brother Alfred back here. I'll let him get up and preach that message a little bit. Tell him, let him tell you about the horror stories of probate courts and of people fighting and brothers and sisters at each other's throats all because of a nickel and a dime. That ain't worth nothing. That's going to burn up in eternity. But life, the life is all about the, the Benjamin. Life is all about what I can get. And life is too much about, it's not enough about God. About God. That's what he said. He said he fully followed 
God. His life was about the Lord. That's what his life was about. Not about things, but about God. About God. I'm not calling you to be a hermit or a monk. God isn't either. But I'm just asking what's your life about? What's it all about? I hope it's about God. He holds Father the Lord. Fathers, dads, your kids know what your life is about. They know. They see it. Some of y'all got kids in here that are real young. They might not see it right now, but one of these days they're going to see it. They're going to know it. I know what you do every morning. I know what you do every night. You're going to know what you, how you live. You're going to know what your life is about. Is this in a homeless week? It's fixing a toilet. Dog got out. Dog got out. That's right. Dog got out. I mean, he, the dad just lit into that eight-year-old boy. Called him every single name out of the book. Now, that's people without God, I understand. People that don't know the Lord. But you know what? If you're not careful, Dad, you might do that too. Kids know. They see. They see what we don't see. They know what we don't know. They know what your life is about. Your wife, your spouse knows what your life is about. If you really want to get right, right, real with real and right with God, you might go to your spouse or you might go to your kids and say, What do you think my life is about? That might be a tough question for your kids. I'm telling you, that's not a sound advice necessarily for every one of them. But you might ask a friend who knows you very well. What's my life? What do you think my life is about? And be challenged with that. And be ready to accept them to say something that you're not wanting to hear. And be ready to empty the trash can. Be ready to take out some trash. You know what I find? My house is that when the boys, they work together as a team. When one boy takes a trash bag out, the other boys get another trash bag and put it back in. That's why we train. I don't know what I'm going to do in about 18 years. So, one boy takes the trash out, the next boy puts the trash in the trash bag. That's a wonderful thing. Clean trash bag. Clean. You know what, folks? Isn't that one thing on God? You might have wandered far from God, like the prodigal son did. But you know what? You're one step away from turning back to God. One step away. I encourage you any of all this morning. 